Welcome to episode 67 of Running Matters. My name's Matt North. I'm joined by my co-host today, Sue Lloyd. How are you going, Sue? Good. How are you, Matt? Very well, thank you. Our special guest today is Matt Shields. Thanks for giving up your time today, Matt. Yeah, thank you. It's a, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. All the way from the coast, down the coast? That's right, yeah. Based down in Jurangong these days, so just headed up and... Uh, and they hit it off with an early morning run with Sue, which uh, started the day off nicely. Yeah, beautiful day out there. Lovely. That yep. was great. Yeah. Yeah, got to show Matt some of the trails, the local trails. We had a good run. Yeah. yeah. Have you run in the National Park before? Uh, a little bit. It's been a while since I've been up here, so it was sort of, uh, it was it was fun. We had a great time exploring and uh, got the shoes a bit dirty along the, the road this yeah. morning. So. Yeah, it's been a bit wet, hasn't it? Um, yeah, Jerringong, nice part of the world. Yep. How, how long have you been down there for? So I moved down there uh, probably just over four years ago now. So it all kind of segues into what we're talking about today, my, my sea change. Yeah, yeah. And uh, sort of the, the new me. So yeah, I'm sort of based down there on, on the beach and uh, quite, quite lucky to be doing what I can do down there. So Excellent. Okay. Well, before we get into it, I'll, I'll thank our partners and then you can tell us uh, what you're doing with yourself now and what led you down to Jerringong. Uh, I'd like to thank Goo Energy, Ranella, Sydney Brewery, Guy Me Allied Health, Basecamp Altitude, T8 Run, Precision Hydration, and Fractal Running Caps. And so you mentioned uh, too early for a beer. Well, what's early? Yeah, well, that's right. Dry July, too. Anyone else participating in Dry July? Not this year, no. <laughs> I celebrated on the weekend with a few beers because I made it halfway. So. You can do part time yeah. Dry July, yeah. is that correct? Yeah. How does that right. work? Well, I guess you just go as long as you can <laughs> and celebrate those accomplishments. So, what date is it? The... Yeah, it's a 15, Yeah, 16, so you've lasted nearly halfway. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Good effort, Matt. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. All right, so what are you doing with yourself now that you're down at Jerringong? Yeah, so I, uh, I used to work with uh, CSIRO building uh, big telescopes in the, in the desert, uh, things people are familiar with, like the, the movie The Dish. Uh, so people play, play cricket on the front of it and uh, I used to build the, the hardware that sits in there and then went on to build uh, part of a thing called the, the Square Kilometre Array in the West Australian Desert. Um, then uh, then uh, what happened in my life, uh, which we'll be talking about today, I had a, a sea change and now I actually uh, build software for hospitals. So it's uh, quite a different uh, part of my life now, but uh, uh, it all happens on the south coast. It's where, where the new uh, the world for Matt is. Oh, nice. So you can work from home most of the time? Or? I can, yeah. i got a, a team in Silicon Valley that I can dial into. Very good at Zooms these days and yeah. doing Slack channels and all that kind of techie stuff. But uh, yeah, sleepy Jerringong is where it all, all the action is. Oh, beautiful. That's nice. So we should get into it about adventure running and adventure racing. You and Sue uh, met back in 2007. Uh, you were racing XPD and GeoQuest and doing some crazy trail runs uh, like Mount Solitary after work. So you guys, you mentioned earlier, you hadn't actually raced in the same team, but you trained together. That, so. That's right. Yeah, we had uh, we had sort of a, a mutual uh, friend who actually lives down here in the, in the Shire, and we used to do a lot of training together. I guess Sue and I cross paths. Uh, you know, on the what was it like when we ran into each other on the on, on the races, Sue? Yeah, it was great. I mean, Matt was always on different teams, but we always when you're in adventure racing, it's like a big family. So we all sort of bond and help each other out on the trails. So you know, cross paths, and as Matt said, lots of training together. So we went up to Mount Solitary, did a couple of runs up there with, with some other athletes and just generally had fun out there in the outdoors. Nice one. So with um, Mount Solitary, that's pretty tough training ground. You, you obviously fairly committed, fairly serious into the, into the training. That's right. That's the, the, I guess that sort of running 
I started off, you know, probably from my background, mainly cycling and then getting into um, ocean paddling. But the running was always something got me interested because it's about navigation and uh, something about Mount Solitary, if uh, and people have done it. Uh, it's, it's sometimes a bit hard to get off the top of that mountain in the dark, you know, so navigation always got me interested, which kind of had my, um, you know, foot in the door for a bit of orienteering or road gaining. So I always love the navigation and the challenges there. So um, yeah, not just about the speed, it's all about the, uh, the, the planning as well. I think I'd hate that side of it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I respect the fact that some people are good at it and, you know, have the discipline to take the time to get well, a lot Well, a lot of our racing isn't specifically on trails or tracks. Yeah. We, we make our own tracks. Yeah, yeah. And that's the beauty of what we do. That's the challenge. That, that it is. That is certainly the challenge. Well, it's funny, uh, leading into that, I actually d- dug up an old photo of, of Sylvan us uh, sitting on Mount Solitary in a cave together. I don't know if we, we, got, we got lost up there, Sue, or whatever, but we're smiling, so it must have been too bad. So. <laughs> oh, it's always good, wherever you are. <laughs> yeah. And you're doing a lot of that sort of training at night and sleep-deprived, and what's the appeal? Uh, I guess for, for me, it's more about the again the, the, the journey, not the destination. It's the uh, the, the teammates, the, the equipment, you know, working on transitions, planning. Uh, like some of these these locations are in uh, amazing parts of the, the planet. Uh, you know, I've had the privilege of racing over in overseas and Costa Rica and parts of Europe and stuff. So um, it was pretty cool to uh, you know see your local team members in different parts of the, the planet. Um, but I just love racing here in Australia, and, and Sue and I said GeoQuest is one of our favourite, uh, which happens on the, the north coast um, every year. Mm. Yeah. And I think the thing with adventure racing is it's the unknown. You, you are going to encounter problems, and it's about problem solving out there. Yeah. Nothing is ever going to go right. Yeah. You're always going to have issues with different team members. You've got four team members in a team, so everyone's not going to be you know, functioning you know, at the same time. The way everybody would like it to happen so you go you come through problems and you get lost and it's all about getting together and, and working that out so that's part of the appeal the, the challenge of the unknown absolutely yes yeah, yeah. that's yeah. right and it's sort of that enduring and being able to overcome the problems it's not like a uh, i guess you're in a, in a bunch or, or running in a in a group and you're, you're holding a, a threshold uh, it's sort of more sustained. It's just sort of a you know turtle in the hair approach that because th- these things can go on for a week. You know, I, I, we did the worlds in um, Tassie or in uh, up in Kansas. Right? They're for like eight or nine days you know, without sleep. <laughs> so you sort of got to think about it differently, and and you can take those life experiences uh, just to even, even just at work or, or dealing with a problem. Uh, you know, um, even at home or whatever it is, you can use those strengths and uh, skills. Uh, in everyday life, that's what I like about adventure racing. Yeah, it gets you out of your comfort zone, so you you know that you if something happens out of adventure racing in your general life, if you can cope with adventure racing and get through that, it mm-hmm. teaches you skills to be able to to map through it and and find a solution. That's right, and there's nothing like a bit of uh, as MacGyver, you know, a bit of a bit of gaffer tape and a, <laughs> you know, a pair of pliers. And I think if you're in New Zealand, it's like number eight fencing wire or something. You just you can always fix something. You can. You know? So that's what I love about it. Yeah. Wow. I might have to take on one of the smaller races. You with will, Matt. Like we'll sh- drag you along. Yeah, drag me along for a small one <laughs> as a novice. Um, so I believe so. Being up in the Blue Mountains, you, occasionally you you were lured in to do the six foot track marathon. Correct, yep. correct, yes. You've done that a couple of times? Yeah, done about three times. Uh, I remember uh, there'd be uh, some of these these people, uh, you get good years, you get bad years. I don't know it yourself, but uh, crossing the Crocs River when it's under flood, you know, wondering if you're going to just drift off down into Janolan Caves. But um, you had a blast. And, and yourself? 
Yeah, yeah. So I've done it a couple of times and mostly bad years, I'd say. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, I think you get a, get a bit excited and, and take off too fast and then, uh, yeah, it all catches up with you at the end. But, um, yeah, well, that, that race would be a short challenge for you compared to what you're doing now, I imagine. Yeah, well, I guess that, that's the kind of thing I, I realised from the, like, you, you can sort of imagine people who've done it, you're, you've got across the river and you're, you're up on the Blacks Range and you're hitting for Janolan Caves, but um, sometimes in these uh, adventure races or games, you're out there for uh, 24, 36 hours just on foot before you then mm. hop out and paddle for another two days straight. So uh, I guess you yeah, the intensity, and that's sort of something... I guess as you start to pick up, uh, as you get older and later in life, is those those thresholds and that training, your, your body sort of adapts and things start to change, and you, you don't always have your uh, your finger on the pulse there. Yeah, right. All right. I might take. Um, we might come back to that adapting and, and changing. Um, so it was in twenty sixteen that you were training for the world uh, regaining titles, and you were running to work. Can we can we chat about that? Yes. Yeah. No. That's a, um, a bit, quite a clear memory in my mind. It was on a. Uh, July the 12th and uh, about 7am in the morning uh, I was heading off uh, from my where, where I normally start my run in Hornsby through the bush trails uh, to CSIRO at the time in uh, the back of the Lane Cove National Park and just like any other morning sort of woke up feeling a bit groggy and uh, didn't, didn't know what was quite um, up with me but uh, shortly into the, the run uh, on the Pacific Highway there I suffered a massive heart attack and uh, I, I realised straight away I uh, had to call the ambulance and uh, dialed triple O and said, uh, yeah, I'm having a heart attack. I need help. <laughs> yeah, right. So you just knew you were in a world, world of pain. What what was the experience? How had it come about? Yeah, well, it was sort of, um, sort of funny. Like if I sort of drift my mind back to just two days before, I was actually out uh, running uh, parts of the, the six-foot track with my friend in the Blue Mountains and I was feeling a little bit lightheaded. Um, I remember waking up the next day with some cold sweats and things like that. So, uh, and also thinking now there's some numbness in my hands. But when the heart attack hit me, it was literally like someone just shot a hole through your chest. Your um, your heart, uh, you know, once it has heart uh, damage or the, the blood gets cut off to us, uh, there's people here at term called the Widowmaker. Uh, and mine was called the left arterial descending artery, and it was a, a widowmaker heart attack. So uh, there was only one way, uh, either one way it could have gone, good or bad. And uh, luckily for me, uh, I had an ambulance uh, coming, but uh, it, w- it wasn't that simple. I uh, called the ambulance, and I'm, I'm on the side of the road, and one of the things people mightn't realise is that I was literally uh, in the gutter, dying on my own, and uh, what was was quite... Uh, vivid in my memory is that I, I remember talking to the operator and and taking some of these things uh, from my uh, skill set of adventure racing just for, for granted I didn't even think about it but I'd uh, said well I'm on this is my GPS is my location I had an earpiece in I'm wearing this jacket uh, they said to keep calm and fortunately enough the ambulance arrived and we started heading down the highway uh, to the to the teams at Royal North Shore Hospital now, one of the things, uh, fortunately enough for me, is that the ambulance uh, that I was in was fitted with a piece of technology uh, which can actually communicate from the ambulance back to the surgical teams in the theatres uh, which were preparing for what type of heart attack I was about to have. And they could tell uh, mine was actually called the STEMI, which is a uh, elevated 
uh, ST wave when you look at your ECGs, and that means literally this guy's going to die. So, wow. um, so for me, I don't didn't know any of this, but we were going round the uh, the corners of St Leonard's on two wheels, and uh, the thing was in hyperdrive. And I remember looking up, thinking it was the, it was the pearly gates, but it was the the Gore Hill Television Towers. <laughs> but uh, we pulled in, and they had a, a team of uh, guys in. Uh, Blue spacesuits, a bit like the uh, the old Intel ad, and everyone's wearing blue, but they were all in masks. And before I knew it, I was lying on the operating theatre, and uh, I was I was awake and fully conscious, and I was watching a uh, full screen image of my heart. So I'm actually lying there as they injected a, a contrasting agent through my r- right arm and my radial artery. And what was really vivid is that this piece of um, heart tissue which would look like if you were say scuba diving like a fan coral and a fan coral you know so you see it's spreading out well it's basically someone had just lopped a whole limb off it and uh, that was pretty bad so um, sitting there and people calmly moving around the theater uh, connecting things like uh, defibrillators and adrenaline into my arm they inserted uh, through um, this radial artery a guide wire and a balloon which uh, they end up putting a stent in my heart, which then opened up the artery, and then uh, the pain went away. Oh, wow. And you were conscious for all this? Yeah, yeah I was uh, fully conscious for the whole procedure. Um, it was it was a pretty uh, mind-blowing experience to be, you know, watching your own uh, fate in front of you um, unfold. But uh, from that, I could I could see once once I was out of that, uh, that theatre and it, it stabilised me, uh, I went back into the, the ICU, ICU room where I, I fell asleep and, uh, and I woke up uh, the next morning. And that's where I guess uh, where the real journey started. So um, this is great because you, you, you're telling the story. So, so tell, us, tell us what happens after that. What, what would people expect? Yeah, so I guess um, what happens, and uh, people might be aware, but the heart tissue, uh, the, it's, it's not like normal muscles. It doesn't, it can't regenerate. So once you're have a myocardial infarction, the, the heart tissue dies, and it often, this results in, um, can be now electrical issues, it could be uh, pumping volume, there's a thing called the ejection fraction, which is the amount of pumping volume uh, to the heart. So when you're out running, if the, the heart muscle's damaged, you can't deliver the same amount of oxygen to your muscles. So um, they also say, well, you might have not as well as these uh, mechanical and electrical issues, you may uh, now need to be on medication forever, uh, you might need a pacemaker, and if it's really bad, you might need a heart transplant. So when I woke up the next morning, they had this this uh, this talk. I call it the talk. Uh, they tell you all these things, and they said your life is basically going to be very different from now on. Yeah, so that would have been um, tough to hear, particularly if you know you're competitive, you're training all the time, and you're very fit. You get, how old were you at the time? When... So so I just turned forty. Yeah, me and my uh, friend uh, were about to head off to Alice Springs to do the World Regaining Championships. Like by luck, actually, we were, we were meant to be there a week earlier, but I, I changed some of my flights around. So fortunately for enough, uh, I was I was in Sydney, had the expert medical facilities at, at my uh, doorstep. Uh, if I was in Alice Springs, well, I'd, uh, I'd probably uh, be out there right now. So Yeah, wow. And I guess also you mentioned the day before or a couple of days before you're in the Blue Mountains as well and, um, you know, some symptoms there. So if it happened you know halfway along the six foot track probably wouldn't have been enough time to, to get the help you needed as well that's right so one of the, the key things i guess is uh when you you, you come out of icu and they, they they look at your heart condition is that um basically that's what you've got there's not really much coming back from that and you've got to kind of work out the the plan on on your recovery and 
uh, for me, they said initially, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're running and racing career is over. Uh, th- that's the end of that. Um, uh, considering the amount of damage, uh, what happens in your heart muscle when it's dying, it releases a thing called troponin. And uh, this, is, this is in a certain range of maybe three to 6,000 parts per million. Mine was like 30,000. The, the damage was horrific to my heart. And often that's why for younger people, uh, it's a lot more serious because the heart muscle's strong. It's actually working against itself. Uh, the, once the artery ruptures, uh, the heart die is very quick. And I remember uh, getting up the next morning and uh, hanging, a, hanging, a, hanging a pee in a bucket. And uh, you remember after one of those races you've done, you, you got across the, the line at six foot track and you, you, know, you probably haven't drank enough water and it comes out kind of yellow. Well, I remember this was a bit like sump oil. And literally, oh, I remember right. it was like my, my heart was getting, was getting peed out into a bucket. And that was, it was basically, for me, it felt like death, you know. And for me, it really started to play on my mind about, you know, what, what is going to happen with my life from now on. Yeah, okay. You, b- before we, we, we go to that point, you mentioned when I was talking to you earlier that leading up to your, your heart attack, you, you felt a sense of dread. Yes. Can you, can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so it's an interesting kind of thing, I guess. Uh, like, it's a lot easier for me to describe it now in the sense, because uh, I've taken up things like meditation stuff to get more in tune with it, with my body. But uh, it's it's sort of like the feeling of like you're a you're an eggshell, and if anyone taps it, it would just just crumble. And I felt like even though I was I was strong, uh, something was some doom was coming. And um, even the the information. Uh, that I was trying to, to interpret, I couldn't interpret that. I, I went to uh, a doctor two weeks before. I said I didn't feel right. Uh, There's no you know reason to think I was going to have a heart attack. So this is what's the, the scary thing for a lot of people out there. You know, I've been training for a, a, a 24-hour row gain. I'm fit. I'm eating well. Uh, they've done an ECG trace. Uh, that comes up right. They've checked your blood. It's going, your cholesterol's fine. Nothing was out of the blue. So and this is a scary thing for a lot of people having these uh, younger heart attacks is they, they don't know uh, what's going on inside their arteries and they don't know if calcifications occur. And that can only be really checked by doing a, like a, a CT scan and getting a cross-section of your arteries. Uh, that, that's what I didn't have. So f- for me, uh, when this plaque broke off and then ruptured, uh, it was literally something that came out of the blue. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like keeping fit and training all the time you never think it's going to happen to you you were probably in that same boat but it's interesting that you were compelled to get those checks and you did the right thing or what you thought you you did everything you could do and you still couldn't prevent it so for the for the listeners that are out there that are fit and healthy and think it's never going to happen to me any advice like that they can take precautions completely yeah that one of the the biggest thing is actually Start looking a little bit deeper um, into uh, family traits like genetics. If people talk about you, you know the color of your eyes, they're blue, or, or your hair, or, or lack of hair in my case. Uh, but there's certain genetic things which play factors. And uh, I had found out that uh, one of my my grandfather had died. Uh, you know, not not at a terribly young age. I wasn't he died forty or anything, but um, he did die younger than normal. And also my uncle, you know, like sort of uh, early sixties kind of thing. So. When you start thinking, and then I go, well, well, maybe, maybe that maybe that won't happen to me because I've I've been healthy because because my other grandfather lived to, to ninety eight. So all of a sudden you think, well, that's probably I'm immune from this. You know, I'm, it's not going to happen. But what you you need to start doing is uh, think about is is there someone in your family who has had an event? And as soon as you get to a certain age uh, where you're going to be pushing yourself really hard, 
is just go a little bit deeper into what the checks are. And I, and I guess uh, Sue and I were talking about this this morning. I've got another friend who's a, an adventure racer in New Zealand who had a, an electrical issue. And we started talking about, well, uh, he had an electrical issue and then I had a plumbing issue. So it's started finding out uh, to do both the checks. And that's really important. Okay, excellent. And... Uh... So take us back to life-changing. You were told, all right, rest up, no more training. What, you're on medication. What's Where do you go from there? So uh, basically they uh, you get checked out of the hospital. And, and for me back then, I was doing quite a lot of work uh, in, in Sydney and then sort of commuting up from, from the south coast. And I made the decision to move 100% down the south coast away from work and stress. And I'd uh, you know luckily been with the the organization a long time so they said just take your time recover so uh, it meant uh, spending a lot of time uh, at very low heart rates is sort of sub 80 beats a minute uh, lucky my resting heart rates were about 35 so uh, when they said uh, no no uh, no riding or cycling activities you can't go above like 80 beats it's like well I can probably get to 40 k's an hour under that but no <laughs> so so luckily um, now I was a good boy I stayed on my medication my uh, beta blockers and aspirins and uh, all these other great things they give you. It's a bit like a, um, a lolly bag full of treats. But uh, I never, never missed a dose. And what, what was the biggest change uh, is that I had to completely re-engineer my diet. So thinking about uh, what were those things that caused the plaque buildup, for example, uh, bad cholesterols. Okay. So what, what, what do you uh, avoid now? What's, and, and this is good, good advice for the listeners as well. Yeah, completely. Like uh, I know, um, you know people believe in d- different types of diets and, and everyone... Uh, through their genetics is quite different. I sort of follow a blood type diet. I'm sort of an A positive, and I uh, have sort of uh, you know low acidity foods, very Mediterranean style. I have a lot of uh, organic foods. I have a, a veggie patch. Uh, I've completely cut out any red meat. Uh, a lot of seafood. And one of the things uh, we try to do these days is stay away from a lot of processed foods. So. Uh, it, it's really great sort of making your own food and I guess right now in a, in a pandemic everyone's getting good at home cooking I've heard so um, get creative and uh, you just eat fresh local food and that's that's sort of my advice there cool so I went veggie about, veggie about 12 months ago would you uh, recommend um, have you gone full vegan or yeah well, I've headed down not to the, the vegan part like I still do uh, eat meat occasionally kind of that's just the, the fish or chicken but uh, a lot of grains, very mixed diet, uh, saying anything out of the veggie patch in, in each meal, uh, limit your, um, you know, any foods that can result in sort of these high acidic levels and also uh, anything that can build up plaque. So just being very careful of uh, things I used to love. I used to, you know, have a, have a good couple of sausages on the barbecue and some, some bacon. Um, never thought it would be an issue because you know if you've got a you know seven percent body fat you know well where, where's all that uh, plaque going well it's it's inside you <laughs> so inside your heart so yeah, right. so you just sort of got to be a bit aware of the um, the foods and the types of uh, things you're eating yeah okay good advice so I guess you've cut out alcohol as well is that correct well no I can't can't say that no it is it's very important to uh, you know at the right time uh, have the right things so I'm I'm actually also uh, celiac so. I don't drink standard beers, but I do occasionally enjoy a you know a nice glass of red red wine, generally a New Zealand Pinot Noir with a with a piece of dark chocolate. But uh, basically, yeah, I still have one uh, glass a week. Oh, well, that's good. You you you're human. <laughs> I'm human. Um, 
Okay, so what about, um, did you, do you still have to stay on the medications? What's, what's the go with that? Yeah, so basically one of the key things about uh, plaque buildup is if you do have a cholesterol issue, um, is to be aware of it. And uh, so most people know things called like statins, which can be used to uh, change their cholesterol levels and the way the liver processes it. But uh, in cholesterol, there's two key factors. There's one called HDLs and there's LDLs. And the, the, the bad guys, which are the low-density lipids, they're the ones that uh, can be a problem. And uh, finding out specifically about your LDL uh, is, is very important. And for me, I have a genetic disposition around a thing called lipoprotein little a. And it's something that most people can find out about through their, their GP, can ask for a test. And if you have a lipoprotein A uh, disposition, you can actually calcify um, up to 100 times faster than a standard person, even if your cholesterol's within the standard ranges like mine was. Oh, yeah. So, Matt, how often do you get your cholesterol tested now? I check mine about every uh, three to four months and keep it down about below three. So about 2.8 is my cholesterol. So uh, beforehand, uh, my cholesterol would have been in a healthy range, so between five and eight. It was only probably low fives, but now I keep it super low and uh, just always check it, make sure nothing's uh, you know getting out of, the, out of control. And, and prior to your heart attack, how often would you have checked your cholesterol? I was saying not very often. <laughs> that was probably one of the things I might have done uh, you know, once every year or every two years when you just go in for a, a check or something, when you had your immunizations and things like that. But uh, I hadn't got it checked all the time, and that was probably what was the problem. I didn't know what to look for. And this is sort of coming down to, well, maybe when you're at the GP next time, just find out what your cholesterol is, have a discussion around that. Uh, one of the things we're, I'm working on now as a, an ambassador for Heart Research Australia is a thing called the Heart Check Pack. And we're hoping to introduce that, and that'll have a kind of a, a checklist of things that uh, people can use, and we're hoping to, to roll it out to, to clubs and organisations to assist people in finding the, the mechanisms on uh, understanding their, their heart health. Okay, so that's it's like an information package, is it? That's correct, yeah. yeah. So uh, Heart Research Australia, they have a bunch of researchers looking into these type of things, and they've worked out they need a kind of an easier mechanism for people to work out the steps, and that's sort of something uh, I'm working with them over the next year on. Okay. Excellent. Um, so you were told you wouldn't be racing or, or training again, and uh, you, you, you talked about um, improving your diet mm -hmm. and what you did for that. So tell us about your um, slow comeback into training. Sure. So uh, so again, uh, oh, the, 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 the fire was, was, was nearly out, but there was still a bit of a, an ember glowing there, and uh, after firing my first two cardiologists and I, I uh, found a, a third cardiologist who I could sort of talk sense to, uh, I asked him, I said, uh, I want to I get back to racing. And he's like, well, I don't know if that's, that's really possible, but um, let's have a talk about it and, and your ambitions. So first of all, we had to work out uh, what, what, what my baseline was. And for me, it was actually doing a lot more testing, uh, not just knowing your cholesterol, knowing the electrical signals in your heart, making sure... Uh, through using ultrasounds and CT scans there was no uh, further calcium buildup on my arteries and also making sure the stent that was in my heart uh, had, had, had been um, it was sitting there correctly so after a period of time uh, they'd worked out my heart was, was structurally okay the, uh, the heart pumping volume was, was, was uh, compromised and that was due to the heart muscle die off and so that's something that generally can't be uh, fixed, so you're kind of stuck with that. But again, it doesn't stop you from doing things. So 
if your uh, like ejection fraction is less than uh, you know say 65 or, or less than 50 or less than 40 if you've got bad heart, heart failure uh, it will obviously ultimately affect your life but I was given the okay to uh, start doing things and what the first step was uh, was, was about getting uh, confidence and improving my uh, headspace. Okay and you mentioned meditation earlier was that one of the steps in that process? It was, yeah. So uh, first of all, uh, having a, a busy life and you know working in a high tech world, my, my head was a was, a, was a, a scrambled mess. And I used to go out and you know get in the let's say the, the green room and be off, cut, cut some single track and trying to de stress uh, by by doing outdoor pursuits. But I realised now I couldn't do that, and I had to come up with a, a different way uh, to to calm my mind and, and have clarity. And and that's where I started on things like meditation and. Uh, slowing down all the thoughts and trying to uh, work out what was my route back to uh, the new mat. So I guess one of the things in that was, well, what do we want to do? And at the time, uh, I was really keen on doing some uh, outdoor camping activities, uh, just some basic things that I I loved. Uh, Maybe not adventure racing, but um, my partner said to me, um, well, let's try and do an overnight walk. And we had a discussion with the cardiologist on that, and uh, and, and it was really quite a, a blunt conversation. <laughs> so, was it just no, flat out no? So, so first of all, uh, he goes, "Where are you intending going?" It's like, "Oh, we might go out, you know, into the into the blueies or maybe down south." And he they'll say, "Well, is there a uh, is there phone reception?" You go, "No," and, is, and where is it? It's in it's off track. And then um, he goes, well, "Well, what would happen?" He said, "Well, you would die." So. <laughs> Great. So, so, so Matt decided to go. Did yeah, so you did it anyway? So yeah, we just weighed up the risk, and I, I kind of worked out. It's like, well, you know, this is something of who I am. I love the outdoors. I don't want to be restricted. I'm prepared to take that risk. So uh, we went for a, a one night trip. I think we just did the the coast track from here uh, down the south coast uh, from Bandina uh, through, and, and had a had a night down there, and then uh, that that was successful. So we thought, oh, let's go walk the. Uh, you know, from Ben Boyd, from the, the light to light uh, over two or three days. And by the end of it, we'd actually worked through a series of goals uh, to the end where uh, we actually did a started walking the Tauroa track in New Zealand and we did a, a couple of five-week stretches out in the remote wilderness. So uh, by the end of it, I sort of figured, like, I sort of nearly overcome this first milestone in my life. Okay, that's a good way to get your confidence back, I guess. Well, I'll tell you what, when you're, you're climbing up Waiu Pass and you're hanging off a rock with a rucksack on your back and uh, there's no one else around, well, you, you know you're living and you know, uh, you know you've got to trust your body. And that, that's sort of uh, where I wanted to take myself from this, uh, this area. If you look at like a, like a bell curve, you've got uh, post-traumatic stress and PTSD and they've got the people in the middle and then you've got post-traumatic growth. And I really wanted to say, well, could I take this experience and become more now with my life than, than I was before? And, and so you, you mentioned you, you've, you've done the, the coast move. Uh, that was, I guess that was one of your, your life changes. Um, how else has it been a positive in your life? I mean, you've obviously improved your diet. Um, you, you've, you've, done, you've done the sea change. Yeah, well, well, a lot of those things are important. Like I sort of had the, 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 the career sort of move and then there was the, the sort of the outdoors part. But there was something, there was a big hole in my life, something missing uh, that was that was always always has, has been there, and that was racing, and that, and that was the thing that was missing in my life. And I 
really was desperate to try and uh, get back into this space, uh, which I'd been, I guess, warned of. Okay, and so how, it must have been easy steps because you've gone from just doing long walks or, or trekking and then to going back to competition where you're putting yourself at, at a stress. How, how is that manageable? Yep, so uh, again, we uh, went to the cardiologist and sat down and he said, Matt, okay, what do you want to do? I said, oh, I want to do the hardest mountain bike race in the world. <laughs> and he's looked at me. He goes, what's that called? I said, it's called the, uh, the Cape Epic. He's like, okay, what's, a, what's the second hardest one? I said, it's the Pioneer. I said, all right, we'll do the Pioneer. So, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I entered, uh, we created a, a plan and, uh, and uh, yeah, actually raced the Pioneer and, and finished it. So uh, it, was a, it was a long journey getting there. It started off with just, just little bike rides and uh, then I started doing a bit of racing. I remember running into to Sue, one of my first races down in Canberra, and just the, the feeling of being back in the bunch and seeing those those faces. And uh, but just just knowing uh, you can't go red line again. You got you got to push this thing slowly. And uh, not, so, not... Matt, do you want to just tell the listeners uh, what's involved in the Pioneer? So the Pioneer race is a uh, about a seven day stage race across New Zealand. It has about fifteen thousand meters of climbing. And uh, it's part of like the, uh, the World Cup series. So the only other races that are probably in that league are uh, the Swiss Epic and the Cape Epic in South Africa. And that's uh, still on my bucket list. <laughs> still number one. But uh, this year uh, we're heading up to Port to Port, uh, which I did last year. Had a great time doing that. So uh, multi, multi-day stage races are uh, really, really exciting and, uh, and something I've been so happy to get back to. How long from, from when you had the incident to you know, competing, how long was the, the gap there or the, the, the rehabilitation? So fortunately enough, I was able to get back into the Pioneer uh, in probably under 18 months. So it was quite a, um, an incredible recovery pattern. And uh, there's a few sort of unknowns there, which, which occurred in, in my, um, you know, rehabilitation process that, that people still don't understand. And uh, there, there are all sorts of things that I'm working with on, uh, what was successful and, and what worked. I think um, one of the key things was really, uh, you know, understanding your body and, and, and knowing when to rest. I guess that's one of the biggest thing of not pushing things too hard as you, you um, when you're slightly compromised or, or getting older. Yeah, okay. I think that's really important, Matt. I think all of us as athletes and runners and whatever we do, we tend to not listen to our bodies enough. Yeah. What's the, uh, I mean, there's a lot of takeaways from this and the stats what are the stats like healthy fit people they we we think that the the stats were only what one percent or less than five for people having heart attack what what are we looking at yeah so in the some of the statistics around younger heart attacks sort of the people in their 40 years and younger it's nearly in uh, around 20 percent so there's a huge amount of people having heart attacks earlier in life uh even just last week at, in, at work there was a person there in their 30s who had a heart attack uh, recently, I think there was um, someone in the media who uh, had one in their 50s, even a wiggle had one, you know, recently. Uh, not that old. So the, the problem is, is that for when uh, you have a heart attack earlier in life is that uh, if you don't have a good recovery, often uh, you can suffer, yeah, not apart from the physical difficulties, but difficulties recovering is the, the mental recovery and, and knowing what you can do. So that's it's an it's a, uh, increasing phenomenon, yes. So we're going to have there'll be people out there listening that would have gone through this experience, um, sharing your advice and knowledge and, and, and um, 
I guess what you're doing now is important. Um, Meditation is one of those those things that, that helps you balance. How often are you meditating? So every day, probably about 15 to 20 minutes every day, I'll make sure I take some time out. Uh, it's, it's kind of really important just to stop and just, uh, you know, stop thinking about things and, uh, you yeah, take de-stress. You know, I guess that's one of the things right now um, in life. There's a lot, lot of things going on, a lot of electronics, which are, which are great for all sorts of stuff. Uh, but also being able to, to, to cut that noise out and uh, really just sort of take stock and appreciate each day. Like I think now, after what happened to me, uh, I never thought that was going to happen. I remember uh, walking back into my office three months later and the, the, the coffee cup was still there on the desk, you know, covered in mould. But <laughs> yeah, life hadn't changed, you know. I started to wonder, like, well, really, why, why are we rushing around so much for these days? And it's, it's really time to, uh, you know, appreciate the, your friends and the people around you. When, so do you have a particular time of day when you do meditate or you just sort of fit it in when, like, I, I would assume that maybe lunchtime's a good time just to break up your day? When, when do you recommend? I sort of get into a bit of a, a ritual if it's um, sometimes late, late at night or, or early in the morning. Uh, yeah, and even and during the middle of the day if there's a, is an appropriate time. Like, I guess one of the key things is, uh, is not, not trying to be distracted or trying to rush you know, idea here is just to try and take some time out. But sometimes, even if you've got, uh, you know, thirty seconds in, you're about to walk into that that meeting. Uh, just trying to just to switch off and, and 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 slow the slow the spin down. Uh, it, it's very important just to keep practicing. And and if you miss it one day, well, uh, you know, it's not the end of the world. Just try and keep regular and, and practice it. Good advice. Matt's just become a new dad, so he's got plenty of time during the night to. Uh his meditation in you're awake a lot i have yeah just 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 had the uh, lucky enough to become a dad uh and a beautiful little boy called clancy and uh yeah he uh he he's he's a pretty good sleeper i'm actually really quite lucky so uh yeah i'm often there uh you know rocking the little guy to, to sleep and i'll even, even just then you know uh use that as a as a, as a mechanism of for myself of just saying, well, how, how lucky I am now in, in my life to actually have this chance to be a, be a father. And, uh, you know, I never thought it would happen after the things that have happened to me. So, uh, you know, it's, it's just really appreciating every, every day for what it is. Yeah, nice. Well, it's been great chatting. It's, um, it's, an, it's an amazing story. And sitting here, fit, healthy, new dad, you say you've, you've, really, um, you've, you've really, you know, come out the other side a better person, would you say? Indeed, you know, my, my life has um, re- really changed. Uh, one of the things I think now is uh, you, you just even uh, when you're out there with a bunch of friends or, or family and if, if someone isn't right, they really, really um, just check out how they're going. You know, there might be that guy who's always at the front of the pack and he's dragged to the back, you know, and, uh, and, and even just, just stopping if there's someone on the side of the road, you know, they, they could be having a, yeah, having a heart attack or an issue, but, uh, you know, really, really sort of keeping in touch with uh you know your health is, is super important uh, as you get older and and the people around you so sorry matt just getting back to the day of your heart attack you were on the side of the road did anybody actually stop and assist you so one of the things uh about that day when i mentioned i was i was sitting in the gutter talking to the operator is uh yeah someone someone did stop and uh what happened i remember it quite clearly uh i was talking to the operator saying i think i can see the ambulance and uh and a car actually rolled up and parked next to me on the side of the road and I saw the, the coffee cups get put on the on the, the side of the footpath there and uh, then the, the bags went out and then uh, the doors shut and they just ran off to the, the waiting train station. I was actually left on the side of the road. And wow. um, 
Like it came down to me really thinking that day, like this this is only about me saving my life. There was there was no one else there, and um, at the time, I just really felt like wow, like I had my phone on me. I was wearing my super bright puffer jacket. Um, you know, things like that, knowing, uh, you know, making sure you don't get caught out. And in these days, uh, we're lucky enough to have technology and stuff with us to assist us, like carrying a, a PLB or a, um, a phone, a, a great mm. piece of kit to have with you. Yeah, that's good advice. I don't actually run with my phone normally, so no. that'd be a... I, I guess another big message out of, out of that is, you know, make sure people are up to date on their first aid. Yeah. You can assist when, you know, your mate might go down all of a sudden. Completely, yeah. One of the things, uh, I guess, is uh, in this kind of instance is uh, knowing where you are. You know, sometimes having a, a phone is good, you know, if you're in a good group of people. Uh, like, at, for one example, when I'm out uh, ocean paddling, like, or I'll have a PLB. Like, you're, you're offshore, you, you need someone to, to pull, pull that pin and get a helicopter out there. You can't, you can't muck around. Uh, you've only got sort of, you know, three minutes. Uh, and the thing is, uh, if, if, it's, if it's bad, you know, the only way that you're going to get out of this is with uh, professional assistance. So I think uh, just be, uh, do, do, your, do your routine checks if you're not feeling right. Uh, just, just give the GP a call and, and ask them, saying, hey, I might want a, a heart check. And uh, simple, simple things like that could save your life. Okay, excellent. Okay, so with all your training now, Matt, um, I believe uh, you're an ambassador for Heart Research Australia and you've entered the LATAP. Um, so that's one of the events that they, they want you to participate in or you probably got them on board to participate in. Correct. Um, and you've got a blog for that race. So before we, we, we talk about that, um, I believe that's in, in Barrel in November. That's right, yeah. There's actually the, the two events. There's the uh, Barrel Classic, uh, which is uh, in October, and uh, then there's the LATAP uh, which is a Tour de France event in, in Kaima in, in uh, late November on the 28th. So, uh, yeah, entering both those events, there are, uh, I think the TAP's got about 2,700-odd uh, vertical metres of climbing, so a uh, pretty tough course, and, uh, yeah, going to be quite a bit of training uh, getting ready for that one. Okay, good. Um, and with um, your heart research being the ambassador for it, their big day is the, the Wear Red Day. That's right. Yeah, yeah I was uh, Wear Red Day ambassador for heart research uh, this year and we uh, went out and did a, a big bike ride and fundraising event and, and also yeah, I'll be the ambassador for, for 2021. So uh, the focus again is uh, obviously you're trying to draw attention to this and in introducing uh, things like either heart check pack and uh, trying to raise funds for, for research into this area. So if people are doing an event and it doesn't matter what event they're, they're doing and they could do a, a, a page like a charity page and they can choose Heart Research Australia as their chosen charity to raise They can, yep. they can, yeah. There's, um, I know in, uh, for the Barrel Classic, uh, I've set up a, a fundraising page there uh, one of the um, one of my uh, ambassador sponsors is uh, Bianchi Bikes. They're assisting us with that, and also uh, with Heart Research Australia, uh, we'll be putting out things on their Facebook and, and user communities there as well. Nice one. Now you're uh, besides doing all the training and, and fitting that in, you've also got uh, your own company. Would you call it Epic Epic Hearts dot com? 
That's but right. I, it's kind of a bit of philanthropy. It's sort of what I what I do in my spare time. Yes. yes. Yep. So if anyone wanted to to look you up, it's epichearts.com.au. Correct. That's the one. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so you're doing corporate speaking. Tell us tell us a bit about that and what you've done. Yeah. So it was quite quite interesting because uh, once I. Uh, I found out what type of stint I had in my heart. I was really quite, as a, as a curious guy, to find out a bit more about it. And uh, I had the opportunity to, to fly over to, uh, to LA and went to their, their factory and actually got to, to meet the, the workers on the production line and, and give them the, the story. And they, they were actually blown away because often they, they don't hear many patient stories. So I really, uh, I've had a couple of trips or a few trips now to the US uh, talking about my story to the, the medical companies and uh, and it's really really quite cool to, to see the technology that goes into these uh, life-saving devices yeah awesome and so are you talking to um, doing talks in in Sydney and, and around Australia as well um, no not, not too much I've had a, a couple of uh, you know interviews with uh, you know uh, ABC and with, with CSIRO and a few things like that on uh, just the work that's going on, but but right now I'm sort of uh, you know really just uh, just spreading the word uh, in this this current way we work in the in the pandemic using the the digital era you know so uh, but hopefully uh, yeah I'll be uh, making a presence uh, down at the the Barrel Classic in La Tap and we'll we'll be able to connect with some people down there. Yeah. So if some people are listening out there, I mean you've got such a good story, such a positive story. Um, is that something you'd like to get into, going out and, and speaking to, to companies? Yeah, of course. Yeah, there's a uh, on the on the a contact us page on the website. Uh, feel free to drop me an email and uh, I'll reach out and we can we can catch up and uh, see what we can do. Yeah, awesome. Um, and so one thing that we didn't touch on, and and I'd like to do a follow up interview with you before before Barrel um, is talking about uh, managing your higher heart rate and looking at testing and the use of um, heart rate monitors, that sort of thing. So maybe when we do a catch-up, we can get into more specifics of um, of the techie stuff and, and how you manage that at, these days. Great. I'd love to get into the tech side of things, you know, all the latest uh, devices and heart rate straps and uh, strategies on recovery here, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we're really looking forward to talking next time on that. Yeah, awesome. So uh, wrist heart rate, any good? Yeah, I, I use that for sort of general everyday activities, but uh, I just got myself a a new uh, sensitive heart rate chest strap, which I can use in the pool or uh, out on the bike or running. I know this morning got a bit of a, a bit of a workout, so was ripping my legs off up some of those hills. So uh, yeah, definitely, uh, I like the chest strap. That's that's my priority. Yeah. Okay. All right. Excellent, guys. Thanks very much for your time. Uh, it was a really good chat. Thanks for sharing your story, Matt. And um, yeah, people can can look you up at epichearts.com.au. Great, thank you. No, Catch up great soon. inspirational story. Yeah, yeah. excellent. Yes. Some good lessons there. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Matt. It was a pleasure. See, Anytime. Excellent. See you out there.